Hello everyone, the usual United podcast episode is on the way, but I just first wanted to put out a disclaimer that this episode was pre-recorded a few weeks before the coronavirus outbreak had forced most of the UK and indeed the world to adopt social distancing measures. You'll hear in just a minute that we recorded this episode in a pub. Again, we weren't actually there this week, sorry to spoil the magic. We have a few episodes still in the bag, so we hope to bring you those over the next few weeks so you don't miss out, as I'm sure these are a welcome distraction. Anyway, hope you're well, on with the pod. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United podcast. Maisie is alongside me. Hi Maisie, how are you? I'm good. Good, you? Good, thank you. We are currently awaiting Sam who is on a train um, and then getting a taxi to us. We are currently in Ultradom in the old Roebuck pub. Yeah, first time I've been in there. It's cosy, isn't it? Cosy, isn't it? Yeah, it is cosy. Norman's pub. Norman's pub, that is exactly why we are here. Norman Whiteside is our latest guest on today's podcast. Somebody you know very well, Maisie. Yes, spent many, well, yeah, many beers with him and many nights out with him. Good Nothing crack. to do with football then? Oh, God, no, no, <laughs> no. I think drinking's second, uh, second nature now to Norman and his, uh, his lovely wife, Denise. So, yeah, it's nice to, nice for them to join us. But uh, uh, Norman, as a footballer, what... What do you did you learn about him when you were at United? Was his name mentioned a lot? A little bit, yeah. But I remember Norman from the eighty two World Cup. I, I still remember it from the eighty two World Cup. And you were what age then? I'd have been twelve. Twelve and I think Norman would have been seventeen, would he have mm-hmm. been? Youngest player to, to play and yeah. score in the World Cup. I think that's still a record. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that was my first real first World Cup I remember and uh young Norman Whiteside was that and uh it's great to catch up with him. That's my phone, sorry. That's your phone. Hopefully that's Sam on the way. Uh, no, it's Chris, no. Cas- Chris Casper. Chris Casper. Which might be actually... Another one good for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, get Casper on, yeah. He's just laughing at a joke that's been sent. Whilst we <laughs> await Sam then, you want to get yourself some food, Maisie? No, I've a um, bit of a health kick at the moment, oh, Helen. Right. Yes. Oh, right, okay. Been on a bike ride this morning. Did what? The, yeah. Sorry, this is major news. <laughs> <laughs> Maisie has been on a bike ride. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yesterday and today. Spinning tonight. What's, so well, you've been you know, on a bike ride and you're going spinning tonight? Yeah. Talk about not to zero. I know, I know. Just, well, what's the health kick in need of? Just to get fit for the summer, you know. Get and, the dad and, uh, bod out. Get the dad body, yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, what are you having? I'm going to have some fish and chips. Fish and chips, you know, you're going to have your tea. I'm not sure yet, I haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> One meal at a time. <laughs> Right, okay, so as soon as Sam arrives, we will sit down with Norman and have a little chat all about his career. Sorry for being late, everybody. That's okay, Sam. Right, I'm Sam. here. Travel issues, no yeah, problem. I'm delighted to be here in the old Roebuck, and thank you to Ian for looking after us. And also with us now, Norman Whiteside. Norman, how are you? Very well, thank you, Sam. Thanks for coming. Norman, I love your shirts. I want to say that straight away. One of my favourite things about you. Is your collection of shirts? Oh, don't get too close now. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's down to my missus Denise. She buys all the shirts. Does she? Okay. Um, and I just have to wear them. They are great. <laughs> Simple as that. For, they're a trademark. Not great for a podcast because you can't see them. Uh, Maisie, how no. would you describe the shirt that Norman's currently wearing? Minging. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ming in. Helen, maybe you could nice try and better. Colourful. It's colourful. colourful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Helen. Cheery. Cheery. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Norman, is this pub significant to you? Yeah, it goes back a long time, the old Roebuck, to be honest. Um, I mean, 35 years ago, if I'm being honest, and then Robbo, myself, Kevin, Moran, Big McGrath, we used to come in, you know, I know we used to go to parties a lot as well, but this little one is just off the beaten track in Altrinum, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we can sit in this back room here and, and have a bit of a laugh and a giggle, and Tommy, the old landlord, used to have karaoke up here, and we'd sit till the early hours and have a good laugh, and no one bothered you, really. So Was this after games to, you used to um, come here? Yeah, probably after games, but mostly like a Sunday night, Yeah, if we weren't at parties, or we could go to parties and come here, or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, great little local, great little mm-hmm. local. So it's lovely. We'll get on to that in a bit, shall we? Yeah. Uh, right now, we'll go back to the very, very beginning. Take us back to Belfast and your your first memories and your formative years and your, your childhood. What was that like? Yeah, brilliant, really. Um, I sort of started the, the old football malarkey when I was um, seven, seven, go away. Boys Brigade, mm-hmm. uh, up the Shankill Road um, in Belfast. Started off in the C team, um, ABC, obviously, and then um, working my way up. Um, and my primary school actually didn't have a, a football team, so I didn't represent them. But it, we always played in the street. All we used to do is go out in the street and somebody throw you a ball and the gable wall at the end of the street there with a bit of chalk on the wall. Every time you scored a goal against that um, that wall, you were scoring a goal at Wembley. And that was the, the, the biggest ambition for a kid mm-hmm. in, in those days anyway, is to score a, a goal at Wembley because when you hit that gable ball, that's exactly what you thought you were doing. Did you have... Sp- Sports at all at primary school? Yeah, we had yeah summer camps and summer schools, but never a football team yeah, as okay. such. And that's why the boys' brigade were my avenue into the a team environment, yeah. if you like. Um, which you know I loved it. We used to go to boys' brigade on a Thursday night, play on a Saturday. I couldn't wait for the Saturday to come around. Who was your idol growing up? Because I think you grew up in a family of Manchester United supporters, but you weren't massively. Yeah, supportive of any team at, at that age, were you? No, to be fair, hell no. I didn't support any football team. I just had tunnel vision, and I was so dog minded, and I didn't want anyone to get my way. I didn't have girlfriends. I didn't have. I didn't do school work. I just like <laughs> well, that's easy, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't do any of that, and I just wanted to be a footballer. And it didn't matter which club I went to, but um, I just wanted to be a footballer. And actually, the first club at a very young age came in for me was Ipswich Town, and Bobby Robson was manager. And um, a couple of weeks later, he knocked on the door. Well, the scout knocked on the door and said, Mr. Robson thinks that you're a little bit young. Um, Can we leave it for six months? And then in the meantime, Manchester United came, Bob Bishop, as we we know, um, and and invited me across to Manchester United. So that's how it all started, really. How did your family feel about all that while that was happening? Were your mum and dad excited? Yeah, my my family are a little bit, um, like a lot of Northern Ireland people, um, are a little bit shy, a little bit shy, really. But But... (laughs) You're right, Norman. We are a little we bit are, shy. We are, Helen. We are. We are. We are. Humble is what the word I would the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. absolutely. You're you can right, always you're tell right. how humble someone is when they brag about being humble. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first sign. No, but I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, no, but my mum and dad were proud. I'm sure they were. But they, they showed in different ways, of course. And the daft little thing was, um, was um, this is weird because I in Belfast when I was a kid I played for a team called EBLSC 
which stands for East Belfast Liverpool Supporters Club. And I played for them, and I'm from Shank Road, which is the other side of town, but I played for them, and obviously Liverpool invited me across to go to Liverpool, but I'd already been to Manchester United. And my mum phoned up, Joe Brown, the old scout, the old chief scout, and my mum phoned up and said, Joe, um, Norman's thinking of going to Liverpool um, for a trial type thing, you know. And he said, Mrs. Whiteside, don't do anything, I'll be on the next flight. And he came over, well, we lived in a, as Helen would say, a humble two up, two down <laughs> in, in um, Belfast. And, you know, and we had a scullery and uh, outside toilets and all the, all that stuff. And and my mum got, we had one cup with, uh, you know, Delph. And um, my mum made Joe a cup of tea. And by the time we left, we had a new dishwasher, a new <laughs> kitchen, <laughs> a, new, a new shed. And um, I signed for Manchester United. What was it like at that time for you, Norman? Did the, the troubles affect anything to do with your early footballing life? No, to be to be fair, Helen, when we, as I mentioned before, we played in the street, but we also had a park up the uh, Woodville Park, which about probably a mile away by foot, and um, we used to go there. And the only advice my, my mum gave me um, was, if you hear any shots. Um, you're going to be safe, number one, because you've heard the shots. And and if you hear any bombs, get yourself home. And that was the only advice. She said, get yourself home if you hear any shots or you hear any bombs. Get yourself home. And that was the but, only was advice. You ever, was you ever worried? Ever? No. Well, no. it's your, it's Just, your upbringing, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where you were brought up, it's, you, you wouldn't know anything different, and I'm no. the same. So I didn't know anything different. I lived next door to the paramilitaries where all the belly clavers at night I could hear all the rumper rooms going on, you know, the kneecappings and I could I could hear it. And, you know, I, it's what I grew up with. And, yeah. you know, and I know the way they used to march up and down our road with the belly clavers on. I'm nearly sure some of them would be related to me, but yeah. you don't know because no. of the, the, the belly clavers stuff. But, yeah, it's something you just, just grew up with. And, and, you know, and, and obviously football got me out of that, but I didn't get involved which is, you know, a credit to my parents. Yeah. So I'm my two brothers. They didn't get involved. Um, but and it's one of those things you just grew up with it, don't you? You mentioned your two brothers. Are you the youngest, oldest? I'm middle of middle, middle of three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The eldest one, Ken. He was the RUC for. Actually, they reckon Ken was a better player than me um, when when we were younger. Right. Um, but he didn't. He didn't have the. I would say the dedication that I put into it. I think when he got a bit older, he found. A, a female person or something, yeah. but um, he, he did all that, and I just had that tunnel vision to, mm -hmm. to be a footballer. Growing up in that environment and describing the things that you were hearing and seeing, do you think that affected and shaped the person you became? Don't know. Um, I just seen that as normal, to be honest. Um, but when you look back, I mean, I went back home and coached in all the prisons back home, and you know, and I did know quite a few of the boys in the prisons. Um, and they were saying uh, we did a little Q and A, like sort of like this, and and we sat at the. It was funny. We sat at the the front of the 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 assembly or the or the um, gymnasium, and all the prisoners were there. And we had the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. We had the Governor One, Governor Two, Governor Three, Governor Four, and they were all there. And and I'm gone. Like, and somebody said, Norman, you went to the World Cup in 1982, and I came here. He said, I've been here ever since. And this other guy jumps up at the back and he went, Norman, do you remember the time me and you robbed that post office up the shankle? <laughs> 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 and, 
and it, what, they're so lighthearted. It was fantastic. I had a brilliant day. Had a brilliant, and it's great to go back and do things like that. To be honest, what did you get from the post office? Uh, well, I can't tell you for security reasons. Right, sure, sure. <laughs> had to ask. So Bob Bishop was. It was so fundamental in bringing Northern Irish people over to Manchester United. Of course, Sammy McElroy and George Best. What did he mean to you, and what what did he, you know, provide for you and your family? And how, how did that? Yeah, Bob work? was Bob was getting on a little, but he was there, he was just like a, a woodbine and a flat cap, and and watching all the the schoolboy games. And they invited me across, obviously, and he came across, and he, he could tell millions of stories. And we used to sit and listen to him. He's telling the stories about Best. I mean, he brought letters out that George sent to him. And Bestie was brilliant at calligraphy um, and the letters he could write. Bestie was going to be like a sign writer. Like calligraphy was unbelievable. And um, his, his writing and his, his letters were absolutely fascinating. And Bob used to be <coughs> um, the Pied Piper. Oh, everyone would go around Bob to hear all the stories, mm -hmm. you know. But for me, um, the one I remember about Bob was we sat next to each other coming, as you will know, um, coming over from Northern Ireland. You have to fill in a little... Um, interrogation form uh, yeah a little form to say and I was very proud I employed Manchester United of course mm -hmm. yeah. I give it all the big time and I looked at Bob's and I looked at his date of birth 1899 September 1899 no and I've never forgotten that and it was unbelievable crazy. and he's just filling it in Oh my word, that's incredible. that's incredible. There must have been so many comparisons to George Best, obviously, at the time when you were coming through. How, how was that for you? Was that good for your confidence? Was it kind of living in the shadow a little bit and you wanted to be your own person? How, yeah. What was that like? No, I, I think you've just hit the nail there, Helen. It was that you want to be your own person. And, yeah. and they answered that question after I scored the winner in the semi final in 83 at, at um, Villa Park. And someone asked someone about well, George Best. I said, I'd rather be Norman Whiteside, not the second George Best. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And after that, you get like Giggsy came along and it's going to be the new yeah. George Best. And and because George was so special, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's an honour to be even mentioned by the same sort of breath um, of George Best. But, um, you know, you, you've got to be your own person yeah. and make your own stump one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, when you were 11, apparently everybody was talking about you, became a sort of prodigy around Belfast and Northern Ireland, and people were sort of putting hopes on you already. Did you feel that kind of pressure? You, were you aware of that? No, I, but without being big-headed, you know you're better than most people. Sure. And when you're scoring six in a cup mm -hmm. final and you're you know, I always ask people, I'm glad you said that, because I always ask you people always when we do this, did you know you were better? Did you yeah. feel better? People just go, oh, you know, you know if you feel no. any better. And I always think, you must know, because yeah. you're running the game. Absolutely. I Great scored, honesty. Have I scored six in the cup final? That yeah. gives you a clue, doesn't it? Does, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So. <laughs> and you won 6-0. That's quite well, a good indication. 7-2, actually. We beat, um, our school beat Lisna Garvey 7-2. 2-2 in the first um, first Aries Cup final, school's cup final. Mm -hmm. um, I scored both. And then 7-2 in the replay, and um, I scored six. So gives you a clue. Yeah. And you set the other one up. <laughs> assist. There was no assist there, Mizzy, to be fair, but um, yeah, I took the corner. <laughs> okay, so what are your first memories of moving over to Manchester and joining Manchester United? It was fantastic for me. Um, I was 13. I always remember my first, my first flight, actually. Um, we arrived in Manchester and um, straight to Old Trafford. And the first two people I met, some up was with Jimmy Murphy. Stood in the reception with Keth. 
our lovely Kath. Stood in reception with Kath, and Shamat put his arm around me, and he says, um, "Listen, we're hearing great things. Um, we'll look after you. Enjoy yourself here at Manchester." And I couldn't wait to phone my dad to tell him. Shamat just give me a, a yeah. yeah sit, Did you go over on your own at this yeah, time? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I was only thirteen. Yeah, but then I went to the cliff. Did well. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. Friday, back home. Our school went to America. So one one Monday, I'm at the Theatre of Dreams, the best club in the world. Where did I find myself the next Monday? In the Oval Office with the President of the United States of America. Came out of the... Jimmy Carter, mm -hmm. the peanut farmer, 1978. Came out of the Oval Office. Teacher pulled me to one side and said, Norman, your parents have been on... Manchester United want to sign you. And that's how I found out as a 13-year-old kid I was coming to Old Trafford. Wow. So what a week, what yeah. a week, what a week that how was. How did you yeah. end up in the White House? Sorry? Our school, our school were over there and because of Northern Ireland, the, the, the troubled situation and all the rest of it, we got an invite to the White House. So I was captain. I, I was playing keep you up here in the garden, but I mean, the president <laughs> wants to see you. <laughs> that's what it was, but yeah. yeah we, and we won that tournament, actually. Yeah, we did. <laughs> there can't be good. many people that have a story like that for that's finding out they're joining United, can they? No, it was nice. No, it was great. It was all downhill after that, to be honest. But, but <laughs> no. It was a good, good week, yeah. Not good when week. you signed professional. It was your 17th birthday? Is that right? You, you know more than me, Helen, to be honest. But yeah, I ran about that. When, when I was a kid, the club gave me one year apprentice and three year pro mm -hmm. guaranteed. So it would have been my 17th birthday, yeah. to be honest. So, what was that like? Well, I think I, I think I signed a blank piece of paper, to be honest, Maisie. You know how it is. You filled it in around it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, well, it doesn't matter what you said. I'd have signed a blank piece of paper, to yeah. be honest, just to play. Um, but the only thing that I did find different, I lived in Diggs with a few guys, and they became different to me mm. because I wasn't an apprentice anymore and some of them had to clean my boots. Right. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I went straight in at 17, the next season, or my first season, I've gone from, as you know, the cliff used to have the, 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 the youth team, yeah. reserve team, and first team. They only had three dressing rooms, and I bypassed the... The, um, the reserve team, and I went straight into the first team dressing room as a 17-year-old. And where the Martin Buchan, the captain, is there, and Lou McCarry's there. And where am I? In between the two <laughs> scouts. So, you know, that is another story. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a great great experience. But, you know, when you're, when you're 17, you just, you'd sign anything. You just want to play football, don't you? Especially for United. Basically, United are saying to me, we want you for three years. You're taking it. It doesn't matter what. Did you did you expect that when you were like 15 and 16? Were your aspirations when I'm 17 and I'm old enough to be a first team player? I want to be in that first team. And did you see other players that we, maybe you were in digs with or were in the youth teams that didn't make it because maybe they didn't commit to it like you did? Mm, I wouldn't. I wouldn't point out individuals to be honest. But um, I, I I was as I've mentioned before. I'm a very selfish person right to this day. And if I want something, I'll, I'll go a long way to get it. So I really didn't care what they were doing, if I'm honest. It's not selfish, though, is it? It's driven. Driven. driven, yeah. 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 Driven is the well, word. you know, Mizzy. It, it, you know, it, it you, was you, the other players that, with you. Did they go on to make well, any in our digs, anywhere? It was, there was a couple in the digs. Was, um, Phil Hughes was a goalkeeper, went to right. Leeds and um, Bury, I think. Northern Ireland. Um, then, well, Big McGrath, obviously. Yeah. Kevin, but when I went to digs, my digs were Isley Grimes, Kevin Moran, Paul McGrath and myself. Wow. Yeah, what yeah, well, can you imagine? That was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can you imagine? So that was um, that was good, 
um, educational. But um, <laughs> yeah, I sort of, I just knew um, some, I was driven as a kid. Yeah. And I got in the team, luckily, at 16. Um, and, you know, and when I go around doing the, the stuff at Old Trafford these days, and I get introduced to some families and stuff. And I'm like, how old are you, son? And I'm, like, I'm 16. I'm going, I know. I was just going to say, I think, yeah. I think, hold on, I'm like, 16. I was out there at 16. That was know? crazy. And it is a bit weird. But, um, yeah, I was obviously bigger than most people, or, or my peers at that stage. But it does ride home when you meet a 16-year-old kid that's there yeah. and... Living away from home as well, like living away from home from your family. It's such a big deal, isn't it? It's 16. I never got homesick, believe it or not. I just took it in my stride. I just, I used to fly over when I was 15. I used to leave school at um, lunchtime and I used to get a a bus up to the International Airport. There was only then, there was no Belfast City Airport then. I got a bus up to the International Airport. And I claim for a taxi on expenses, but that's another story. But, uh, <laughs> and I used to fly over on Friday night. Somebody picked me up, go to Diggs. Saturday morning, play at the cliff in the A-team over the Old Trafford, Saturday afternoon, and fly home on a Sunday every week. So I got my independence yeah. by travelling on my own, yeah. missing taxis, missing buses, um, you know, getting to the game late and this, that and the other. And I loved it. It really sat me in, in good stead for future reference. I love my own company, probably from that, mm-hmm. because I was always on yeah. travelling on my own, sitting on the bus, ruminating. No thinking. phones back then, it's just you and your thoughts. And that's what footballers do a night before a game. Yeah. You ruminate, you think, what's going to happen? Um, what's going to happen tomorrow? Am I going to be in that position? Will I get in front of a defender? Will I do this? If the ball comes to me in this certain situation, how do I work it? And that's what people do. That's what footballers do. Mm-hmm. It's imagery, imagery. It's a big, it's a big, it's a big word. But footballers do that. And I used to sit in the bus and do it. And think tomorrow, if a, if a ball comes in there, I'm going to score. Yeah, things like that. It's weird. When you were seventeen, that was a good year, though, wasn't it? When <laughs> what about you? when you were seventeen? I can't remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nineteen eighty-two. It was good. Yeah, of course. Um, Eighty-two was um, a great year for me. Obviously, I made my debut for United, and also my country um, at, at a young age. So, um, yeah, that was great. And the tough thing about that was our physiotherapist at the time was Jim McGregor, who was the Northern Ireland physiotherapist at the same time. And um, Eric Harrison, <coughs> God bless Eric. We all love Eric. And um, Eric used to be with um, Jim McGregor at Everton with Billy Bingham. So the three of them, we all knew each other. So they were giving me little hints of in the medical room I'm going like you know if you keep going son you know Billy Billy Bingham's watching I'm going yeah, what what yeah and yeah what are you talking about yeah, yeah. and and they were trying to get into me and Eric Harrison used to have monthly meetings to tell you what your progress was like you're not working hard enough at this or you're, you're good at that or you're not good at that which is brilliant and he said to me in one of the meetings he said um, you know if you keep doing what you're doing he said you might have a surprise at the end of this, um, you know, at the end of this season. And the surprise was, I obviously went to the World Cup and played for Northern Ireland. But they, they must have known, between them, mm-hmm. um, what was going to happen to me. Yeah. I didn't even envisage it until I got the phone call to say, 
you're, you're off to the World Cup. Just to clarify, in case people aren't aware, so we're talking about 1982 because in that year, you became United's youngest ever debutant since Duncan Edwards at right. the age of 16 and however many days. You sign your contract on your 17th birthday. Eight days later, you become United's youngest ever goal scorer at 17 years and eight days. And then in the summer, you took Pele's record as the youngest player to play at a World Cup that you who, still who, hold. Who was that? It was Pele, a guy oh, called yeah, Pele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made nothing of himself. <coughs> yeah. well, local lad. <laughs> <laughs> and Tenerantes do nascimento. It is. This is real, man. Yeah, you see? Yeah. We got that. Well, what was that like now in the World Cup? Obviously, 17-year-old. Means Did, you don't know any. surreal? No, you no, you don't. Surreal? Um, I don't think so. I, I don't think you know any different. No, it sense. It's just a tournament when, where you grew up. You don't know any different. Go to your work. I was doing my job, basically. Yeah. Um, Did you play schoolboy for Northern Ireland before that? We won the school. I can I can give you what you're feeding me some good stuff, <laughs> Alan. Yeah. We won the European Schoolboy International Championship in 1979 at Main Road. We beat Wales 2-1. I scored the winner. And um, Sparky played for Wales, and Clayton Blackmore played for Wales. Um, and Dave Sexton was there, um, who was the manager at the time um, for United. So I played schoolboy. I think I played one youth, and then I was straight into the, the So you the went from, what, under-16s to the senior squad? Or under-15s? Under-15s, yeah. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was crazy. 13 when I played for the 15s, and then I was 16 when I played for the full squad, you know, seven. Did you have any, because you were playing with bigger guys, I don't know, maybe you were getting some some bigger tackles. Did you get any injuries or anything during that period? Yeah, you always get injuries. I, I don't know a footballer, and I may as well tell you, I don't know a footballer that has ever played a game 100% fit. You've either got a head cold, you've got an earache, you've got, Eagles, yeah. you've got the wife in your ear, you've got something <laughs> going on. Um, <laughs> no one's ever gone out and played 100% ready for a game there's always a niggly little oh, yeah. just bump my knee or or you know I've cut myself shaving or, or, there's yeah. always something um, but I never got any major injuries by a tackle but I did have an injury before I even started my career to be honest um, when I was 16 15 um, I had my cartilage removed and in those days they took out the cartilage so they left me bone on bone so I played bone on bone for 10 years so I've got a hole in my femur a hole in my tibia and I played that's why I had a, a funny run because my, my knee was sore the whole time and also I, I went to see a surgeon um, about my two hips and he recommended that I would never be a professional footballer um, because my hips weren't in line or something so he, he said, this boy might make it to amateur level. And I've got all the medical records at home. And this boy might make it to um, uh, amateur level, um, etc. So I played with two dodgy hips, one knee. Um, and that was the start of my career. So I got 10 years out of it, but didn't do Do you still two. have a bad knee? Very. Um, do you really? Certainly. Oh, it's terrible. It's about osteoarthritis in there. But um, yeah, but, but like I said, I started with bone on bone. So it was just... Like gritting. It was like, yeah, for 10 years. Maybe. Oh my goodness, it sounds so painful. Day in, day out for 10 years. It was just mm. like, and even going up the stairs now, my banister wobbled. I'm pulling myself up the stairs. And <laughs> it's like, oh. It, but, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to play yeah, football? Yeah, Get used to playing. Do you want to play? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to play, don't is, you? Yeah. And no injections. I, I didn't. I, I told him I don't want any injections. Oh, we'll give you injections. That's the easy option. Yeah. And I just, no, I don't want any injections. Um, I will just play the way I am. So um, that was it. But but no, fifty thousand at Old Trafford don't know you're injured. 
But you're just going to have to and do a job for them, aren't yeah. you? you? So people don't know that you've got a dodgy knee or a dodgy, dodgy hip or whatever. They just see you on that park with that shirt on. That's all they're interested in. And, and to be honest, that's all so I was interested in as well, yeah. What was it like to represent your country at a World Cup? Yeah, it's an honour, to be uh, to be honest. It, it's it's unbelievable. Um, but like I said, I took up my stride. The, the, the one thing I do remember of um, beating Pelé's record was the, the, all of a sudden... Our hotel was like, like the whole world's media came to our hotel. Remember, like Bax signed for um, LA Galaxy or yeah. whatever, and there was half a pitch full of yeah. photographers. It was a bit like that, and they're all coming and 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 I was doing interviews, and I was going to say in Japanese there, but I won't. But there was amazing speaking. And they were asking me questions in all these different languages, and I was getting a bit lost. And there was no media training then, and no. you're no. thrown in at the deep end, really. Um, but to yeah, to be Pelé's record and all that stuff, and playing the World Cup was incredible. And I do remember, uh, Helen, you like that? You like this definitely. There was a guy who played for us called Bobby Campbell. Mm-hmm. He was in our squad, and what happened was our interna- my international debut. Beforehand, we had a team meeting. And England, they used to have, um, if you were in the team, you got three points. And if you were sub, you got two. And if you're in the stand, you get one. And they tally up all the points. So at the end of the tournament, the player's money is all divided up by the number of points you, you get. So we, Northern Ireland, we go, oh, 22 ways. Don't, I don't care if you're in the stand. I don't care if you're captain. We're just dividing the money up. 22 ways. Came out, Saragotha International, first game. I'm like, that. stood the old thumbs down the side, singing the national anthem as loud as I could. I'm looking over Billy Bingham's head and Bobby Campbell's there with a San Miguel and a hamburger. (laughs) 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 And I'm thinking, we're getting the same. (laughs) It was hilarious. You're thinking, where did I go wrong here? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And when you came back from that World Cup, I'm sure it was an incredible experience, uh, Ron Atkinson put you straight into the team and that was you for the... Yeah, uh, first year. Yeah, season. first year I played probably 50, 55, 56 games. First year. And there was only one sub then as well. But yeah, um, yeah I played 50 odd games. And, and do you know, I really had a, a, a barren spell. I do remember. I, I went, and you wouldn't get away with it today, I don't think. But I went, um, I think it was 16 or 17, for being a forward, 16 or 17 games without a goal. And, and that was getting a bit. And then Big Ron had brought in. Peter Beardsley to try and replace me, Garth Crooks, Alan Brazil, all these people. Um, but it's never really worked out for them. And then I remember scoring on a frosty night at Old Trafford against Peter Chilton in a, in, in a League Cup. And and that broke that broke the ice. And mm. <laughs> frosty night broke the ice. <laughs> boom, boom. Uh, you like that one, Missy. And, and that got me back on track. But that season, like I say, I didn't score many in the 55 game, but I scored important goals. Mm-hmm. I didn't score many as a regular um, goal scorer, but I scored important goals because that year I actually scored in both semi-finals, the League Cup and FA Cup, mm-hmm. and both finals of the League Cup and the FA Cup. So. You only scored when it mattered, Norman. That was Absolute, the thing. You've got it on. You know, you know how it works. <laughs> you know this game. What did it feel like scoring a goal for you? What did it feel like? Mm. Um, satisfaction? I don't know if that's the right word, but... Um, uh, I don't know if there's a word out there, Sam, that um, it describes it. It's Half of it feels to me that you were sent out to do that. Mm-hmm. So half it's of it's job, job yeah, done. Yeah. And then the other half is, I'm dead proud. Mm-hmm. So so it's half get the job done and half be happy about it. 
yeah. at all, I would say. Did you, did you prefer scoring for your country or for your club? Or didn't so make a difference? Look, I've, me and you had a game in here. I'd mm-hmm. be happy to score against you <laughs> any day. I'd just score a goal. Be a <laughs> that wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> um, scoring a goal... Um, yeah. You just want to win, you know. It's like you ask most sport, amazing. Tiddly wings, you want to win. I mean, Fergie, Fergie in the head tennis and all that. Yeah. I mean, you don't go in until he wins. You know, we you sit, <laughs> we'd be out there till ten past three in the afternoon until Fergie wins. That's, <laughs> yeah, head tennis, that's it. He, he wants to win. Everyone wants to win, but certainly sports people, yeah. I know. Anyway, that's for sure. But I just because you get some forwards, don't you? They just love scoring goals, and you can see it in their celebrations. And others who are who seem a bit more professional about it will score and just jog back and are getting on with it. I just wondered where you fell into that equation. Yeah, I, I'd I'd be immensely proud of myself indoors, in into yeah. me. I wouldn't go doing somersaults. Sure. Um, but for me inside, I'd be very, very proud of myself and, and hope that I make everybody else the same way. Um, yeah, I was quite calculated in front of the goal, to be honest. Um, and like I said, I didn't score many, but I scored some nice did important you, did, ones. Did you go out in any sort of different mindset, whether it was Liverpool or Ipswich or Coventry? or What did you say? Liverpool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because no. I came... I, I was the same in training yeah. as I was at Old Trafford. Uh, you can ask anybody that. Um, you know, and sometimes, actually, sometimes the manager would say to me, calm down. Because if there's a tackle there to be won in training, it doesn't matter if it's Brian Robson, captain of England, yeah. or Gordon Strachan, Scotland, or whatever. I was winning that tackle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's training because the time you take your eye off the ball is the time you'll get injured. Yeah. And you know that. And, yeah. and so you've got to treat it like it's a it's a game, and otherwise you go on to Old Trafford, big stage, and the ball falls between me and you, and I go, oh, do I do I not? Mm. You know, you you question yourself then. Yeah. But if you keep the positives from from training all the way through, that training you'll actually do it without knowing you're doing it. If, yeah. it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you touched on it a moment ago. You scored in the League Cup final and you scored in the FA Cup final, and you are not only the youngest person to do that in both competitions in a season, but also you were the first person to ever do that. At that point, could you believe that all of this was happening? Yeah. <laughs> no, just like, doing his like, job. Yeah. No, but, just doing yeah, your job. Absolutely. Yeah. That, is, that is basically it. That's why, you, that's why you got that shirt on your back and that's why you're up front. At that time, I was playing forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You're out there to do that job, and yeah, you know, don't get me wrong; it's a huge satisfaction. But um, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. You're doing it for the biggest club in the world, and the following we've got is just incredible. And you know, wherever after those type of um, games, wherever you went in the world, and, you, and you've played for Manchester United, you know how global we are. Yeah. It's incredible. It's absolutely brilliant. How do you feel now, though, that you're older? Because I suppose all that was happening, you were quite young, and it was all just going along. As you said it was just life. Now that you're older and you're retired and you can look back and reflect on your career, do you care about those kind of records? Or is it just, that was it, that's what happened and on his life? Oh, you care about them. I mean, I wouldn't be sat here talking to you, um, you know, if I hadn't done some stuff in my career. Um, of course you're proud of it. I mean, I, I don't sit and watch videos every afternoon, but, um, Amazing. you know, people, people, yeah, unlike me, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What goal was that you scored, <laughs> The pass, yeah. Yeah. You don't harp on about it, but it, it's always nice to look back, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was it like forming that partnership with Brian Robson in midfield? 
Rebel was a, well, as we all know, um, certainly in our generation, the, he was the best player in the country at the time. And we had a good understanding, really. And we, we always, be, even before, you know, today they have the, um, um, the, the computers where uh, stats, you know, mm -hmm. how many times you've passed the ball, how yeah. many times you've done this and that. And we used to have the, the kids, the apprentices, sit in the stand and count how many times we give the ball away. And me and Rebel had a little competition there who would give it away the most. You know, and we didn't give it away that much. To be honest, if you look back, we didn't give the ball away much. And I don't think Rubble was ever given credit for his passing ability. Um, all right, he's a winner. He can score goals. Mm -hmm. He's a good leader. And all. He wasn't given enough credit for his passing. He didn't give the ball away much. He, well, yeah, he gave it away more than me, but he didn't give <laughs> the ball away much. Um, and we had that little affinity where if Vinnie Jones came in and um, tackled Rubble, I'd say, just leave it, Rubble. Don't you start retaliating, you know. So then it'd be my turn to go and meet up with Vinnie Jones. And if it had been the other way around, me and Rubble would have switched over. And so it doesn't look as though you're retaliating. And when you're the captain of England, you get away with bloody murder, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good understanding together then? Yeah, yeah, sort of. He knew and he, well, he was always box to box, Rubble. So, and, and I was sort of something like that. But um, Bram was box to box, so you had to... If he was on a run, you know, just hold back here yeah. and let him go and do it. Let him do what he's good at, mm -hmm. and and that's exactly what he was good at. So you talk about Vinnie Jones. Uh, a lot of people want to know the battles you've had. Did you fear anyone? No, no one. Never, um, Vinnie Jones. No way. No, no. Apart from Vinnie Jones, he was just a bit of a thug, loose cannon, wasn't he? But people it was like funny. people Major. like people like Sunus and Jimmy Case. No. Those type of players. Jimmy Kidd's probably be the hardest to play against. Soonest, no, great player. Um, McMahon, pff, no. nothing. But Vinnie Jones. <clears throat> any, um, any stories you can tell us about? No, Vinnie came up against me down at Wimbledon. Um, we both come into this challenge, and I managed to catch Vinnie just above the kneecap, to be honest. And he went down like a you know, yeah. bag of cement. Yeah. And I've, I've backed off 20 or 30 yards, getting out of the way. like. And Vinny's gone, where's that white side gone? Oh, off him, where is he? Physio comes on, giving Vinny all the treatment. Yeah. And Vinny's looking out for me. And he throws the physio out of the way. He gets up and he comes running at me. And I'm thinking, oh, he's gonna, he's a nutcase, yeah. isn't he? You, yeah. you know what yeah, he's yeah. like. Vinny's mad and he gets closer and closer. And he, he gets right up beside me here and he turns around, shouts at me here at the top of his voice, great tackle, big man. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, so, there can't be I mean, many people he did that to instead. I know, of. I know, but he, he is—he is a decent guy. Most footballers are decent guys, yeah. to be honest. Did you ever think when, when obviously that tackle's coming is about to happen? Obviously, his reputation. Yeah, no, goes before. And did you yeah. think I'm just going to look after myself? And yeah, what, that's exactly what you did. How are egos? I'm just going to go higher. Yeah, yeah. You'd retaliate first. Yeah, get your Simple as that, first. Yeah. What about Sunas? Great Any? player, great player. Played against Graham. A um, few times, Scotland, Liverpool, yeah. um, great Anf player. Anfield battles, any of those were, stand out, you think? Because it, cause he came across as a bit of, or oh, seemed as a hard man. Would you class him as a hard man? Or would you just think? Yeah, but I'd bit? be harder. I, I'd make sure I was harder. Um, it's simple as that, because you, you because want to win the at, battle. If, if you look at your three you had in midfield, you, Robson and Moses. Remy, yeah. I don't think you can come across three harder players and you see. See, people don't give Brown credit for that. Yeah, Robbo's a tough. Well, I remember speaking to Robbo about him breaking his breaking his leg. I think he broke it three times, and he said two or three times. And he said the next tackle, 
I knew I would never break my leg again because I knew I would look after myself. Yeah. And he would, like what you just said there. Yeah. He'd go above whether he breaks. Well, as long as we got the ball as well, obviously. Yeah, if you can get the top of the ball, then that's perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Was that instilled within you at the training ground or was that just something you all had individually as a character? I, I would say individually as a character, but the one person who did instill that for me was Eric Harrison. Yeah. Eric, Eric was like, like he had his monthly meetings, like I said before, and Eric would say, and I remember going into a tackle with one of our trainees, and this time I got it wrong, and I'd lunged into this tackle, and my ankle went, mm-hmm. and Eric called me up to his office, and he went, now that is being stupid. He said, you know, and Eric telling you off was like, yeah, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Yeah. He said, that was just absolutely stupid you're too precious to us to go in tackling like that. And I thought, well, I'll think about it next time. Sort of. But I was out for about four, six weeks or something, mm. about ankle. But Eric was telling me, this is the way you, not the way you do it, no. but but be a bit more, just don't dive in to win, try and yeah. win a ball from 20 yards when the ball's over there. You yeah. know? And I just wanted to win. But he was saying, be more calculated uh, in what you do and um, you'll be a better player. I remember Eric's, he said it to me once after after a game, and he, I don't know what it was, but he just said, "The best six mates you will ever have on your pitch is the studs on the bottom of your bottom of your boots. <laughs> they're, they're the best six mates you'll have. Oh yeah. And if ever you need them, oh, Eric was hard yeah. as hard as nails. I I remember Maisie, I was in um I was in in, in the bath at the cliff, and I was injured. I mean, dodgy knee again, yeah. but I was injured. And Eric came down, and it was one of his first games when he was in charge. And me and Eric got on really well. He really liked me, Eric. He was he was a good a good mentor for me. And he came down, and I'm in the bath, and he goes, um, "I want to ask you a favor." I don't know why. He said, "We're playing my old team tomorrow, Everton. I just want you to play. Would you do it for me?" And I went, "Eric, of course I will. I'm injured, yeah, but I'll play." And we beat them three. I scored two. We beat them three one. At Ever at Belfield, and Eric's my best mate ever since. Yeah. He's like, he's been like, of course I'll play Eric. You know? <laughs> and he just he was like, "Will you play for me? Will you play for me?" He was like that, that. and I'll never forget that. It was, it was funny. Yeah, God, God bless, bless him. him. Yeah. yeah, great character. Yeah. Maisie, you were just talking about that midfield three. What what was your um, impression of watching that team at the time? Just a powerhouse, just formidable. Where were you, Maisie? Blackburn. I'd have been at Blackburn. Blackburn. Ball. Yeah. I mean, you've just made your debut for. For Ireland in '82, Northern I, Ireland. Northern Ireland. Sorry. Northern Ireland. Sorry, sorry, Helen. You just made your debut for Northern Ireland at the World Cup uh, in '82. I'd have been 12, so I, I was. No way. Yeah, I was. You know, I was only. I was only four, four years yeah. older. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Exactly. I, that's how mad it is. <laughs> yeah. When I think I about it, I'm thinking to myself. Can I do that in four years? Somebody asked me last night. I said, "How was Norman?" I went, I'm "Not quite sure." To be fair, and I tried working out, and I think now you're only four. Are you 53 now, 54? Four. 54. Do you know what the, the, the daft thing is? Um, the, the, next, um, the next World Cup that comes up in Qatar, if forever is one, yeah. the next World Cup that comes up, and we've got, I've got a bit of a guy in Norway, Stato, you know, they're yeah. like in Norway, don't you, obviously. And um, he says to me, in the next World Cup, if no one beats my record of being the youngest player ever to play in the World Cup, no one beats it the next World Cup. I will have been the youngest in half of the World Cup's history. 
that's, that's a box, isn't amazing, it? Amazing, isn't it? That's a box, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you're hoping uh, the World Cup does not take place? So oh no, it's well, never well, been broken. Well, 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 <laughs> 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 um, just, just to spin it back to you for a second, Maisie, because I think it's interesting. You've told us a lot of times in the podcast about kicking people in training. Who were the hardest players you played against, and did you enjoy those kind of physical battles? Did you go out to? Did you ever go out there to be like normally to make sure you you? I mean, if you got the ball, ideal, but just to catch someone, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you would. If you could if you could take half a yard out of the centre forward, you would do. Norman will know. A guy, Billy Whitehurst. Oh. Now now he was Vicious. He, yeah. He was. He, 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 he would actually rip doors off. Literally. That's how tough he was. Um Does that make someone tough? When you see the size of him, <laughs> it's like six foot two, three. No, but he was built like But he's built like a He's like me and you yeah. put together, Maisie, yeah. wasn't he? He's me and you like put together. Brick not to massive. imagine right um, and I played against him Sheffield United I mean Keith Hill was um, two centre ass only in the reserves I remember going up for a header with him and I accidentally caught him with my elbow I didn't mean to do it because I was only 17, 18 and he just turned to me and went if you want to play like that we'll play like that honestly God he battered me all the way up, oh. all over the pitch me and Keith Hill he just oh. absolutely bullied us if you asked anybody in the game They'd yeah. say the same thing, wouldn't they? Yeah. Frightening. So that that was a, that was a really good lesson of how to try and probably protect yourself. But if if somebody's going in hard, then you're going harder. And if you have to be a little bit nasty, then you do. Did you ever catch someone and think, "Oh, I might have hurt them there"? Loads of times. Yeah. No, you 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 gone. Absolutely. I might have hurt them. No, I hope I've hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember. I'll tell you. I remember, and I never got him back. I never got him back, and I ended up playing with him. Teddy Sheringham mm-hmm. at Millwall at the old den him oh, and, the old him den, and um, yeah. Cass Greeno up front big Cass yeah. scored my first goal and I run off Teddy to score the first goal we went one a lot and then the second time did tried doing the same thing and he absolutely smashed me across the throat and I thought if I get the chance and I never got the chance next again. time yeah. there's still yeah. time Macy there's still time <laughs> I know I never know. I know we'll get him on a podcast <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe one of these legends games just uh, 50, 50. Time. Helen that's not like you <laughs> and that was my aggressive side coming oh, outside yeah. uh, Norman it's what was it like um, having the change in manager back then what was it like for you as players when Ron Atkinson got the sack and Sir Alex well wasn't Sir Alex then but Alex Ferguson yeah. came in yeah well, I remember I was injured again but I was injured and um, there was only two or three of us went to Big Ron's leaving to at his house up in Rochdale actually Bamford I think it was Bamford yeah is it Bamford yeah, yeah, Rochdale yeah. and I think it was Streck me Paul I think Robbo um, I think it was there and we had a good night a very good night and then come in the next morning, we're all in the gymnasium at the cliff and Martin Edwards walks down the stairs with Alex, well, Sir Alex, walks down the stairs and he said, I don't care who you are in this um, line up here. I don't care who you are. I'm the new manager of Manchester United and my rules are my rules. I'm the boss of this club. And he said it just like that. He actually mentioned me, Rob and Paul. He went, I don't care if you're wide side, Robson McGrath. He said, I am the boss from here on. And that is it. Why did he singled you out? He'd had some vicious rumour somewhere. About <laughs> <Yeah. that. laughs> what did you think when he walked back upstairs then? What, did, what was your next no, conversation? Oh we, dear. We, we, no, we Gordon had sort of played. I don't know if they got on that well, but Gordon gave a bit of heads up. Right, you know, yeah. he's a bit strict and yeah. um, sort of... Uh, dry-ish. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dry-ish, yeah. Um, 
So no, it just you knew what you were into, a new yeah. manager. You've got to adopt with the rules and and get on with it. So yeah, that's the way it, his first intro was. Just on the stars at the cliff, and I'm the boss. Let's go from here. Mm-hmm. And then he, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. Was this before or after the club accepted an offer for you from AC Milan? No, they accepted an offer when I was eighteen. Right. Okay. And this was twenty um, one when eighteen. Alex Come in, yeah. No, that was um, yeah. Fergie came in what eighty six, didn't he? Yeah, eighty six. So yeah. this is eighty four. Okay, yeah, something like that. And I was uh, I was in uh, Orlando in America, and the, the red lights flashing on the phone, and lifted the the, the telephone up and said, "Mr. Atkinson will phone you back in the next fifty minutes or sixty minutes." And I'm, What's he want me for? And he said, "I see Milan have offered the club, um, you know, whatever it was, a hundred million or something not a hundred million a million that's quite an offer a million uh, but they they said the club uh, actually United said they'd give me a hundred grand to leave Um, and that was like what 1984 35 years ago it's a lot of money isn't it it's a lot of money now but um, I said no straight away they they said you have to be on the next flight to Milan because the deadline's at 12 o'clock and and the the Italians have, have got a bit of a reputation of doing things late so you, you you take it or you don't sort of thing and and I just said no straight away I'm not interested I said the reason I said it Sam is because in my mind I was I'd only had one season at Old Trafford I played 50 odd games and I hadn't done enough in my own mind what I was thinking was I'll have 10 years at Old Trafford and I'll take me to 26 then I'll go and look at a different culture. And there might be like the Spanish league might yeah. be good, up and running. The Italian league might be up and running. And I was hoping that I would be able to have that opportunity to, to go further afield if I've done my 10 years at Old Trafford because that 10 years is a good inning for mm-hmm. anybody. Yeah. Um, and that was my thinking. And unfortunately for me, uh, it didn't work out. I finished at 26 uh, and didn't get that opportunity. But um, that was my thinking of not going and then um, trying to look forward um, to, to go to Europe and, and look at other climates. You had so much success, though, before the age of 26. You might as well have been retired at 46, do you know what I mean? Like, from such yeah. a young age when you started. What what games stand out for you um, as a Manchester United player? What games would you love to go back and replay in? What, what's your favourite? If there was one you could play again. No, the, the, see, it's, it's probably not... And you've probably heard it time and time again on the on the programme. Um, uh, 84, we played Barcelona. And I played in that game, and it was the atmosphere, not so much the game. We beat them. Rubbo, yeah, Rubbo scored a couple. um, And I nodded, um, assist me, assist. I nodded one down for Frank Frank, to score, yeah, yeah, for 3 0. And we beat them, and Maradona included. Um, For atmosphere, it's got to be that game. Um, And and I I wouldn't. Say to you know people say um, oh it's a, it's an old saying but but I, I I wouldn't be worried to say it again there was goosebumps in the back of your neck yeah. it there was like an extra player on the park you know the old cliches that mm-hmm. you get oh it was like the roof was coming off and that particular night all those things actually happened and I thought I'd never see that in my life and it did happen that night um, and I might have had a rubbish game but um, the atmosphere was good yeah. <laughs> and we beat them 3-0 of course but yeah that's that's one of the games I remember and of course um, playing in the uh, scoring the winner in the cup final obviously mm-hmm. um, springs back to mind <clears throat> so yeah things I got are nice to look back on so like 10 years later on you're actually scoring the goal at Wembley that you did on the Gable yeah, end exactly. 
Yeah, absolutely. The dream, and I would say that to anybody out there, anybody listening, that dreams actually do come true. Yeah. And I'd say to, when I do like dinners like yourself, Maisie, we travel up and down the country, yeah. over to Norway, etc. And And you just say, look, I'm an example. Dreams do come true. Mm. And if you tell your kids or your grandkids, you know, keep practicing, keep working hard, these things can happen. It might be one in so many. It doesn't matter. Million, it doesn't, you could be that one. Dream, yeah. Sam, Absolutely. you could be that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm getting to a point of accepting that maybe I won't make it. <laughs> but not giving up yet, not after that speech from Norman. To be fair, you've got a face for podcasts, so you'll be all right. Thanks, Maisie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe my dream was to spend my time with you. Was that hey, punishment? Maybe that was. Much maybe maybe that was. Too, yeah. I'd to say if that was a Helen, nightmare. Helen, you too. You're in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've spoken about great atmospheres and we've spoken about Sir Alex Ferguson's arrival at the club. Can I ask you about the, the concept that still exists that people talk about of the drinking culture that existed at United of maybe even in this pub that we're sat in now. Your old that, rule book. Yeah, yeah. was that this a is where it all started. Was, that a real, was it a real thing that Sir Alex had to come in and sort of, and, and sort of wean out or, or was it just... Guys having a drink now and again. Well, the way we seen it was, um, you can always after a game take the, the the wives out or girlfriends out um, on a Saturday night. You can still have three or four bottles of wine, can't you? And yeah. That's each. a drink each, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But then Sunday the boys used to go to Paddy's pub um, um, and before we'd probably come here. But we'd go to Paddy's and we'd have a twelve till twelve shift, no problem. Guinness, Kevin, Moran, Paul McGrath, Big Gordon. Um, what, age, what age did you actually start drinking? Um, just, just bang on me your team birthday. There's any kids listening? That's how it should happen. That's yeah, exactly what should happen. And we used to go. To and you're breaking all his records at 17. <laughs> 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 He's probably broke the record for yeah. the quickest pint. Nine oh, year old. Oh, that's a different story. That's a different story with the pints. Um, but but that we used to go to Paddy's Pub 12 o'clock and go all the way through and then had a bit of Irish music on at the night time a bit of a curry fight and all the usual stuff but we were being followed this particular time I was being followed by a newspaper for three months Paul was being followed Robbo was being followed and they're just hanging outside your door and just following you everywhere so I took them on a right good goose <laughs> all over the place and um, that particular year the English League Played the rest of the world at Wembley on the 125th anniversary, mm -hmm. centenary or something, anniversary. And who represented the English League at Wembley against the rest of the world? Robson, Whiteside and McGrath. What happened at Wembley against the rest of the world? Robson scored two, Whiteside scored one, McGrath got man of the match. So Paddy's Guinness was bloody good. That's what I say anyway. <laughs> Brilliant. What was uh, Sir Alex like in training? Was it different to Big Ron? Yeah, they're completely different characters. I mean, um, Sir Alex was always more more detailed. I mean, I've said it time and time. He would have a meeting to tell you when the next meeting is type of thing. That detailed. He'd know the right back would come in after 64 minutes and he would tire after 71 minutes. You know, a bit more detailed. Big Ron, just turn up. I was, as long as you're fine on a Saturday at three o'clock, you'll do for me. You're on my team sheet. And Big Ron said, I was with him about a month ago. And he says, people keep going on about Whiteside, Robson and McGrath drinking and all this. You would have won the league. And Big Ron's answer to that was, he said, I wish the rest of the team would have drank like him. We might have won the bloody league. <laughs> which, uh, which style did you prefer? It wasn't so much style. I mean, um, Big Ron took me into midfield 
that she said was a, a gem of a move from him, but it was really lucky, to be honest. But um, And Fergie, people forget, I played about 70-odd games under um, Alex Ferguson and got on really well with him right to this day. I still got on well with him. Um, but I, I think when I was playing under Fergie, he was just finding his, his level. I remember him coming in and we were at Littleton Road and he pulled everybody together pre-season and he said, right, this is what we're going to do. And everyone's going, what? And he said, right, Brian Robson's going to be there. We're going to have two centre-backs there. And we're going to have two um, full-backs there. So he was already years, light years mm-hmm. ahead of Europe. And we had practice games against reserves. We had practice games against, um, like, Rochdale and Bury and local teams. It didn't work. I don't know why, but it just didn't work. But he had the vision that this is the way the game's going to go. And Robbo could be easily, could sweep up and and two good centre-backs in front of him and then two wing-backs getting forward. And all of a sudden, how many years later, we're watching it every week in Europe. It's incredible. But I don't know why it never worked. It just didn't work for us. Um, that particular, if if it had worked, Robbo would have been the one to have instigated that mm. that um, you know that that five, mm-hmm. if you like. But Fergie was um, a good. He had the foresight, that's for sure. Somebody was telling us recently about the substitutes. Who was it told us recently that he was the one pally? He started to bring on bring extra players along in games and he, he was the person that had the foresight to see there was going to be, you know, so many games ahead and he needed to have a lot rotation of personnel to, to have rotation, yeah. Oh yeah, but see, Big, Big Ron did that as well, to be honest. I mean, I, I remember going, I was 14, I remember I travelled with the first team squad to um, Swansea and he just wanted me to be in the, around the dressing room seeing what was going on yeah. and, and being part of it and being on the coach and I'm in the hotel going... 14. What what do I order? What do I order? Yeah. A club sandwich was the cheapest on the menu, so I went for the cheapest. Best so, best, best yeah, that, that sort of thing. But Big Ron had that foresight. Um, yeah, I was about fourteen, I think, and I travelled with the first team squad and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's only now you look back and think, well, there was. I mean, Big Ron was um, good. He called me into his office. Um, he was lying on the sunbed one day, and um, <laughs> he, he, called, he called me in. And Billy Watts, upset, the boss wants to see you. I'm going, oh my God, what have I done now? What have I done? So I'll go in and he says, right, um, I want you to take training today. And I'm going, what? So I'm like 20, 19, 20. I want you to take training today. I'm going, what do you mean? He said, they're in the gymnasium, go and take training. So I go over, the assistant manager, Mick Brown's there, and I said, the boss has said, I'm taking training. Well, can you imagine, Maisie? Yeah. The boys do one. <laughs> Absolutely. I said, right, all in, I'm taking training. And they do one. <laughs> and Mac Brown had to come in and say, no, seriously, the boss has asked Norman to take training today. Had that ever happened before? No. This is why I'm, I'm saying it's a one-off thing. So I'm going, right, in your twos. And, and I started taking training. And usual, you know, that, and then, right, let's get into groups. Let's do this, let's do that. So I took training for the day. So then the next day we were playing... Um, Norwich, Old Trafford. And he turned around to him and he went like, you're captain in the club tonight. And that's why he did it, to give me the authority mm-hmm. to put the armband on. And I was 20, I think I'm the youngest captain. Mm-hmm. And Another record. Oh, yeah, put that down, <laughs> Sam, you missed that one. And um, he, he gave me the armband and he said, um, you're captain tonight. 
and I looked over my shoulder, running out in the in the the, the old tunnel, Old Trafford yeah. in the middle, and I'm looking over my shoulder, and I've got ten internationals behind me. I mean, it's weird, but wow. I was only a kid, yeah. But he, so that was his foresight. foresight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great man management. Yeah. How did it feel when you started realizing you were going to have to leave United? At what point did that dawn on you? Was it when Mark Hughes arrived, or is that not? No, no, it's nothing to do with anyone else, to be honest. Um, it was me and Fergie. Um, um, he sort of called me in and said, um, Norman, I'm, um, the club have given me, I think it was 20 million, 30 million or something, um, and you're, you're sort of not part of my future plans. And people think we fell out. It's an absolute, nothing further than the truth. In fact, Fergie actually did more or less my contract to go to um, Everton because Big Polly came in, um, Neil Webb came in, because... As we all know, when you're a kid, you don't get as well paid as the big boys that come in. And I mean, I was on the cup final, I was on 300 quid a week, you know, that type of money. And they put you on a five-year contract. So if you're on 300 quid a week for five years, or 350, 400, 450, it's like, you know, not even 20 grand a year. Um, and that's the money I was on. And um, Fergie was saying to me, look, and fair play to him. He said, I'll give you 50 grand. Um as an ex-graduate payment to leave and um, when you go you should ask for this type of money because that's just what I'm paying the boys that are coming in and I went to Everton and I earned more money in 29 games than I did in my entire United career incredible wow. incredible did you care about that or was it just no it was, it was a little it, it, I think it had to be done Helen both ways I, I, we, I probably needed a change mm -hmm. and and he was um, he was um, restructuring the club to be honest and but like I say, still, I mean, last week at Old Trafford, I was passing his office, and and he went, "Hey, Whiteside, in you come." And I go and he hands me the biggest glass of wine you've ever seen. And I went, "Boss, you wouldn't have done this thirty years ago, would you?" <laughs> you know, and, and he's good at school with me, and you know, I love Fergie. He's a top guy. Top when you guy. sit like that, what are the, what are the things you talk about? Do you talk about things that happened in the past, or do you look at what's uh, happening now? Uh, well, normally it's at a game, so it was. We were talking about um, what the game, what was going on, you know. So at the time, whatever it was, um, no, but we have a laugh about the past, and and he's actually in um, partnership with a friend of mine, Jed Mason, um, and the the horsey game. So they they go on about horses and stuff like that. I I don't really know much about the horsey game, but but um, I've been to a few functions when when they've been there together. So it, it depends depends where you are, and, and you know mostly at Old Trafford though. Um, we we talk about what's going on or or what's not going on, whatever the case may be. <laughs> How did you think that the fans and your teammates reacted to the news you were leaving? Because you were such a big name. I think. Um, I think a bit of a mixture, to be honest. I mean, I think a lot of people were looking forward to um, Fergie um, changing, um, you know, restructuring the club and bringing new players in. And then, yeah, you do have your loyal supporters. I mean, I, I was always, I always loved our supporters. Um, and I, because I always counted myself as one of them because I was out on the pitch and I look at the Stratford end and I look at them and I think, well, I'm representing them because they'd love to be me yeah. on the pitch. But I had the the opportunity to to be there for them, if you want to put it that way. And I got on great with them. Um, and funny enough, Big McGrath and myself, we used to go in the old structure, all the supporters clubs from around the country used to come to Old Trafford, like maybe twice a year. So we'd have South Devon or 
Cardiff and Belfast and and they'd have a, and they were given out the well the reason why we're picking up Player of the Year awards <laughs> but uh, and um, and me and Paul used to go to all the supporters clubs and we just have a drink with them and mix with them people haven't forgotten to this day even on my Twitter people don't forget yeah. no. don't remember the time you came and seen us and and if you're just going to be part of them mm-hmm. yeah the, if the tough thing about it is we are part of them but the only difference is we had a bit of a yeah. talent. And we're using it on their behalf. And that's why I say it anyway. But um, yeah, I love nights out with the supporters and all the crack and the banter and all that stuff. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's something remarkable that we, maybe other people have pointed this out, but we've sort of discovered since doing these podcasts because we sat down with Jasper Blomqvist not that long ago. And he was at AC Milan, joined Manchester United and had to retire around the age of 24 at United mm-hmm. because his injuries just wouldn't let him get any further. So Alex Ferguson helped him secure a move to Everton, which is the final place he right. went to after leaving United. And it's almost exactly the same. And he feels really, I think, he, I imagine almost on a daily basis, he, he swings between feeling happy that he had a really excellent career, but gutted that it finished so soon and all the things he couldn't do. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Because as Helen mentioned earlier, you, you won and achieved remarkable things in football but still stopped at a point where most people were probably hitting their peak or, or hadn't even quite hit their peak yet. Well, I, I, if I look positively at it, I think, well, I started at 16 and I finished at 26, so I got 10 years, sort of, mm-hmm. with 15 operations in between, but but I still got my 10-year stuff. But the hardest thing I ever did, though, Sam, was I went back to school when I finished. The doctor said, um, you know, bring your kids up in a wheelchair or, you know, that's that's what's going to happen and I thought well what do I do do I go down the slippery slope here or, or what you know and I go back to school and the hardest thing I've ever done was sit in a classroom with 15 year old kids and do GCSEs um, it was like you know and trying to recite Archimedes principle and, and all these kids you know when you set a traffic lights people are staring at you and, and stuff like that and it's like the classroom the whole classroom just eyes on eyes on where did you actually go back to I went. To, I did one, and I did me. Um, I did a physics thing in South Trafford College, and I did a North Trafford College yeah. on a Thursday morning for my English and stuff, English and maths. So I did them. That must be weird. Cause, I know. Because no. you're an absolute, you're a superstar of football. Thursday morning. Thursday morning, ten o'clock. It was unbelievable. Because I'm sure. Sure, you could have got private lessons somewhere. In but I'm sure we couldn't afford it, Helen. We half afford. the teachers must have been thinking, you know, this yeah. time last week you was playing. So and that's brave, isn't it? That's yeah. why I said it's the hardest thing I've ever yeah, done. Yeah, it's a brave thing to I do. I did me A-level. So that under grand. And then... Uh, <laughs> should, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> I did that. And then my A-levels I did. And then I went to Salford University and I did a postgraduate and... Um, I did a post... No, I did me podiatry. I did a BSc honours in podiatric medicine at Salford. I did a diploma in physiotherapy. I did a postgraduate in sports science. I quali- I done all my coaching badges to the highest level. Um, I did all that after I and that's hard. Give me a football and two million people watch it. Cheesy, yeah. but go to school and trans answer a question in front of fifteen year old kids. Yeah. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. But what, they can't take it from me now. What? Why did you decide to do that? Why not go down the coaching route? Why? What was what was it 
Where did you oh, get the I, advice from? I've done from the medical. I, I did both, so I gave myself a choice. Mm-hmm. So I did the, 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 the badges to the highest level, and I thought, well, I can coach. Well, I've, I had soccer schools anyway for years and years and years. So I can do my soccer schools, or I can go into it professionally, or I can do the medical side. And I did the diploma in physio, and then I did my podiatry, which is obviously lower limb um, stuff. And I had the right to the whole 92 clubs um, at one stage. So I, I went on my travels around the country looking at all the... Um, the 16-year-old kids from the hip to the big toe and did a lower limb biomechanical assessment of, of their posture and how they run and stuff like that. So I had a, a good few years at that, maybe 12 years, 15 years. Did you enjoy it? Something like that. I really did because wherever you went, Sam, you always knew someone. Like when I went to Middlesbrough, Robbo was manager. I went to Chelsea, Ray, Ray was um, assistant manager. You go to Cardiff and I knew the doctor there and you go to, you know, Darlington, you know, the, the coach there. And... It, it kept me involved in the game, um, but I didn't. I don't know what really. I would think Helen. The reason I didn't do the coaching side, I probably wouldn't be patient enough, and I don't know. That's what I think. Robbo was a bit like that when he became manager. People can't do what he could do, mm. and that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a wee bit frustrating. And I'd probably be a bit like that because I would be like A to B, and if they couldn't do yeah, A to B, why can B, you not do that? Yeah. Exactly, that's what I think. Well, that's my excuse for knocking down that way. How did you cope with all the injuries at the time? What got you through that time? Perseverance. I mean, I remember getting in the gym. You had kids at this stage? Um, no, 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 not really. No, Della came along in 89, so I'd finished in 91. So, no, they were, she, well, she was very young. But, um, no, it was just passing the time. It, there's nothing worse. And sitting in a gymnasium, and I don't yeah. know if you've had a long injury, oh, yeah. Maisie, but yeah. it's it's hitting the brick wall. It's like Horrible. so. We used to, and that's how I used to sit and set myself goals. I used to say, well, you know, I would never say I'm going to do thirty minutes. I'd say I'm doing five, and then I'd say I'll do another five, mm-hmm. and then I'd do another five, and I'd make it out up to thirty. Mm-hmm. But in my own mind, I would do five at a time to make sure I could achieve it. it does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I give myself goals. You know, it's a don't run before you can walk type thing. And I used to go in the gymnasium at the cliff and do like 40 minutes, have a little break, do 40 minutes, go and have some lunch, come back, do 40 minutes, have a little break and do 40 minutes. It was just boring, but it's cardiovascular. So that that's all, as an athlete, um, as a footballer, that's what you um, that's what you have to do, keep fit basically, because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to gain your fitness but it's so easy to lose it. Yeah. If you don't do something for a few days, it it plummets. But um, to get it, it's hard work. So why did you, you, you did 12 years of the podiatry going around the clubs yeah. and stuff. Why did that stop? The PFA funded it mm-hmm. and slowly but surely I went from all the clubs to yeah. 75 to 50 to 25. And then we got there and, and then I decided I, I, I did a little private clinic in Manchester for a short period of time. Um, and and then that didn't and then I started on the after dinner circuit, um, like Maisie knows, and I started doing that. So there was more in more of that going around than there was dodgy toenails and um, corns and <laughs> yeah. you know all that hard skin malarkey. But um, um, I sort of dwindled it down a little bit. Let's say that. But um, I enjoyed it when it was there. I enjoyed it. It was good. It's I'm I'm fascinated, and I go on on holiday and. You know, Denise will be there and I'm looking at people walking. Well, you know, when people are walking <laughs> past the yeah. past the um, 
past the old beach sunbed. there, sunbed, <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at their feet, of course, and um, I always that's look at their feet. No, absolutely. So are you and a doctor? <laughs> like, do you have a PhD? Or is, this, no. is that part, it's not part of it? Yeah. I wasn't sure. Painter and house decorator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, no, I'm just a podiatrist. Mm. Wasn't no, sure, thought I'd ask. Yeah. No, 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 no. Another brave thing you did uh, was your first wife. You you crossed the Protestant Catholic divide. Was that was that dangerous? Was that something that was was all right, or was that a bit of a worry? No, it wasn't a worry to me okay. because if you yeah. fell in love with someone, uh, that's as simple as that, isn't mm-hmm. it? But um, no, there there was there was ruffled. There was a few, you know, people back home having a having yeah. a little mutter around. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as far as I was concerned, football got f- first and foremost. Football got me out of the sectarian um, stuff back home. Yeah, and and then I I was free to do what I want. So you know, I could marry who I wanted and fall in love with who you want to, yeah. and and that's exactly what I've done. But there was a few whispers back home, I must say, but it didn't bother me at all. Again, stubbornness came yeah, in. Nice white side stubbornness. Three neighbors. Yeah, and you're, the current Mrs. Whiteside, I happen to know because you told me, is a huge Manchester United fan. Yeah, yeah. Well she should be, tell yeah. me about her season tickets, actually. Oh, oh yeah. well, there we are. Yeah, Norman well, doesn't sit well beside before, her, though. Well before we got involved, yeah, she's um, from Denton, but um, she's um, United daft. Mm. She's really into her football. Doesn't miss a game, every home game. Or, oh, her season tickets are coming up for platinum, um, whatever it is, um, season ticket stuff. Um, yeah, we don't miss a game. I think I've missed probably five home games in the last 25 years, something like that. Wow. Because um, I've, I, I've done the corporate mm-hmm. for 25 years. And when you think I did from 13 to 24, so I did 11 years, and I've done 25 corporate, so 36 years, I've been in and around Old Trafford for 36 years. And you can probably tell that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a healthy looking diet I'm on, yeah. So you've been around Manchester United for a long time. You've seen many things change, Norman, in that time. Many players come through. One of the biggest changes, I suppose, in the last uh, number of years is social media. And I'm sure there was lots of scrutiny uh, on your players in your day. But how do you think you would have dealt with the social media? By the way you're talking, I would say you'd probably tell people a few home truths if you had social media whenever <laughs> you were 18. Um, I, I think I'm, first and foremost, I think I'm in favour of it because it's a way of a supporter getting in contact with the present yeah. day players because I hate to see when players arrive at the games and they brush supporters off because in our day we used to walk down to the dressing room and by the time you get in your suit was full of ink and black markers and you had to buy a new suit basically because you stood there and people are pushing mm. pens and, and that was like something that. Sir Alex really pushed as well wasn't it to be the person going around giving autographs he was very into that wasn't he well he was actually I'll, I'll, I'll probably backtrack a little bit there but and when he first came, and he, we were at the, the cliff, and all the injured boys, he sent us to Old Trafford, and we had a three-course meal at Old Trafford, so we could mix with all the business people and stuff. And then I'm coming back, and I'm... <laughs> I'm like, I've just had steak Diane, and, um, you know, all this stuff. And and he wanted he wanted that interaction. Yeah. And, um, and I don't think that worked either, to be honest, because he did it, but he was trying stuff out. But um, like I say, the, the support thing, um, I think that it is a good thing, social media. I, I would um, say that when I used to play, let's put it this way, I've got the, I've got the vision where the, if you played at Anfield, for instance, and the cop are calling my name and slagging me off, 
I've got I've got ears where I can filter. Now, top players can filter what they want to hear. Now, if the Stratford end are calling me Norman, you're the, you're the best ever. I'm ten foot tall. Hmm. I can I can bring that. I can open my ears to that. Tell me more. Tell me more, and I'll be a better player. Someone's slagging you off. I don't hear it. I just blank it out. Really? I just blank it out. I don't. I don't. I don't know what they're saying. I just play football, but I can hear my crowd telling me I'm good. I can do that. So you know, in the same with the social media, I I do all right in social media. I don't get slagged that much. Uh, but, uh, you know, we all get slagged off on social media. But I think it's a nice way of supporters getting, keeping in touch yeah. with, with their people that they want to... You I mean, some of it's a bit excessive and over the top. But I think it's a nice way for supporters from... from I mean, a lot of my Twitter and that are from, you know, all over the place. Yeah. Indonesia, mm-hmm. Norway, everywhere. And um, it's a nice way of them to, you mm-hmm. know, even just to say hello. And, and I get people regularly sending me shirts and I send them back and sign them and, and too, pictures mm-hmm. and yeah it's so, gotta, but it's got to be done isn't yeah, it? it's got to be done something back so, to the so fans. I think that I think that's it yeah absolutely I 100%. totally agree with that I totally agree what would be your highlights on the pitch probably a silly question probably the year 1982 was I, but I would always say Helen um, TM TM is too many to mention to be honest um and it is that, you know, I kept in Northern Ireland when I was 20. I kept in Manchester United. I um, scored in three Wembley finals and played in two World Cups before 21. All these things. Like, that is a ridiculous list of things, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I said say, do one yeah. as well. Yeah. Too many, too many. So, and it just yeah. rattles off six. <laughs> five or six. Too many to yeah. mention, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're good so, enough. No, yeah. it's all that stuff. But yeah, there is about. I, I, I'm dead proud of the, the fact. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't stick one out there and say, well, you know, it's like for '83 the semi-final goal took us to Wembley, but then in '85 it's got the winner that wins you the cup. So it's like different. They've got different values, but but all very nice little mm-hmm. things to look back on. What about off the pitch? What about it? What are the big highlights? Waking it up, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that's always a that's always a good always start. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can remember um, what I did in 85, but I can't remember what I did last night. But <laughs> 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 No, off the pitch, I, I'm an easygoing type of character, to be honest. Um, so I enjoy myself. I do lots of sporting dinners and I do the corporate at Old Trafford and do the museum tours and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm sort of well-grounded, really. Um, but I enjoy a bit of, bit of crack, um, enjoy um, the, I enjoy the good stuff as well don't get me wrong um, but I love you know just waking it up and going to Old Trafford um, it's like a you know it's, it's say a dream but it, it's it's a nice way to go to work certainly is uh, last question for you if there's anybody that you used to play with we've had uh, Robbo on who do you think would have really good stories the funniest guy in our testing room would have been Gordon McQueen he was hilarious it just it just was. It's just funny, funny, funny. You always have characters. And yeah. Gordy, Gordy, Big Gordon McQueen would be certainly one of the good. one of the characters. See producer Matt writing that down now. His little pen. No one. Thank you so much. Cheers, no. Cheers. Thank you, Brilliant. Helen. Thank you. Cheers, Nolan. Brilliant. Cheers, Paul. And that was Norman Whiteside. That was Wonderful. brilliant. It was, what a career he had, and then also his life after it was fascinating. It's amazing that it's crammed so much mm-hmm. into ten years of football. When, as you said, as you mentioned, Sam, twenty six is like such a young age, and 27, 28, 29 are the peaks of your career. 
So how could how good could he have been? Yeah. It's also it's that amazing that, that weird moment where like and you you had it where you were talking to him and you worked out that actually your ages are quite close, but he just started so young. Yeah, <laughs> seventeen. I was cleaning boots and uh, cleaning the toilet so while he's while he's making his World Cup debut. It's mad. It's mad. But do you know what? What an unbelievable story. Yeah. And his and his background coming, you know, from Belfast in in the, in the middle of the troubles to actually then you know playing the World Cup for his his his, his, his country. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's incredible. What, what a story. Yeah. Helen, what were you doing at seventeen? Seventeen. I was probably doing my A levels. Very responsible. Yeah. What did you do, Very Sam? responsible. Uh, the same. Also, I was a pot washer at a hotel. Well, I had a couple of jobs at seventeen too, but it definitely did not include. The World Cup or anything. No, no one asked me to play a World Cup for (laughs) Anything is important. Yeah. That was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed that one. I love that one. Super. Uh, Hopefully you all enjoyed it too. If you want to get in touch and let us know, you can. Uh, You can subscribe on your favourite podcast platform and email us, unitedpodcast.mayunited.co.uk. That's utdpodcast at mayunited.co.uk. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening. Listener.